Welcome to the Stripped Down Know Nothing Podcast, focusing on the bare naked ladies. That's right, whether they make you feel like a lose or a win. From celebrity to another spin, we're It's All Been Done, the podcast. He's growing like a freak show. It's my co-host, Evan. One Mississippi. Two Mississippi. Three Mississippi. Four, it's my co-host, Saker. Oh, Evo, you've proved that you can count. I'm so proud. <laughs> That's exciting. Counting is a skill I picked up at a pretty young age. I think I was 16, 17. Okay, all right. But you had no idea that you were 16 or 17. You just knew that you were older than you had been before. You know, um, I think we put a little bit too much emphasis in Western culture on kind of your specific age. Isn't it more important to know that you're just older than you were before and to act it? Wow, I guess so. But it's difficult. I feel like it's difficult to be cognizant of that every second. To be like, I am now more mature than I was one second ago and I should act it. I am one second older. Well, I mean, you know, we I think we talk a lot about how, you know, They Might Be Giants was a big influence and like a big gateway to uh, um, Bare Naked Ladies fandom. And uh, sure. I mean... You know, they have they have, one of their famous songs is, you know, uh, you know, about getting older that way. And it right. was an influence to me. Oh, it was. OK, interesting. Is that what inspired you to count? Yes. Yes, actually. <laughs> Very impressed. OK, cool. Wow. That's that's cool. That's interesting. I didn't think that you were a big They Might Be Giants fan for some reason, Ev. I know you're a ska boy and I know that you love your your uh, hill, hill punk bop billy music but they won't be giants was a big influence on you just that song <laughs> i see what is the name of that one oh, it's just older oh shit wow you really are you're deep on older that's good from the album john henry nope don't oh, know I, what album it's from i neither know nor care what album it's from <laughs> sure the most important part is that it happened and you know what you don't have time to think about it because you're constantly aging at uh, a terrifying and rapid rate. Yep. You are always the oldest you have ever been. Does that scare you? Is that a uh, something that is constantly on your mind? You know, uh, it scares me a little bit. It is intimidating to think about. And so... Uh, I think you have to develop a certain amount of fortitude. You have to develop a certain amount of... Um, temporal fortitude. You know, temporal fortitude is a great way to describe that. Thank you. Sure, sure. I feel like that's a stat in some World of Darkness game that I've not yet played. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, World, World of Darkness, uh, World of Darkness time travelers. Uh, mm -hmm. every, every, every class is a different like movie of time traveler. You can be like a Marty McFly. That's fun. Uh, you know, that, uh, that douchebag who made primer, um, sure, you know, group. all these, all these different classic time travel. Yeah. We just got some, some, uh, he just got, uh, canceled, right? Didn't he Stephen Carruth or is that his name? Shane Carruth. Uh, yeah, Shane he, Carruth. He did. He posted a photo to his Twitter, uh, which had a restraining order from his ex-girlfriend for domestic what? violence. <laughs> the fuck? Was it like in the background or did he legitimately post a photo of it? It was in the background, but, uh, you know, oh. he is, he, 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 he tends to, um, 
compose his shots very thoroughly and it is just highlighted enough to see her name his name and the restraining order oh my god ridiculous what a strange way to to get canceled i mean that that's that sucks Uh, i mean it sucks that it happened but uh uh wow wild interesting we live in a weird weird world my friend evan we do indeed (laughs) Um, are you, I know that, uh, are, are you feeling under the weather this week? You, you, you've got, uh, your sound is a little bit different. Um, are you doing all right? I am hale and hearty. Good. However, <laughs> I like to hear that. trying some new recording tech, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on a, a Chromebook, which okay. obviously is not like the best possible recording, uh, situation. Yep. And uh, for my microphone, I have taken a <laughs> um, like a um, Apple earbuds, uh, not 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 the wireless ones, the wired ones that have a like microphone in them. And then sure. I have removed the top of a microphone uh, of a much more expensive microphone and just put them over the mic on the earbud. May I ask you what happened to the more expensive microphone? It like. It just didn't work. It just it, okay. like it was just like on on the Chromebook specifically. It just like basically re- records nothing but static. Oh, that's fun. That's exciting. This is a real. I mean, we've never been too concerned with quality of of the podcast or the recording itself. So you, you say that, but I think that our I think that our shows tend to be very uh, have have like a very professional sound. You know, I mean, we that's... we ramble a lot, but like sure. audio wise, they sound nice. Wow, Evbo, that's the nicest thing I think you've ever thought or said about our podcast. Hey, man, I you're like... you're a good editor, and you put a lot of work into the show. It's very, very kind, very kind. Boy, I like our new non-antagonistic relationship. This is a lot of fun. This is what it's going to be because now we're in, the, we're in the PPE, so we have to band together. We have to hold on to each other and whatever we have. You know what? Solidarity is important, and I only have it with you in this project and with good. um. You know, I guess I guess bare naked ABCs, but uh, sure. <laughs> I, I think the chaotic way they've approached time uh, with regards to these songs has made it has made it more difficult. They don't they don't really yeah. get the PPE experience the way we do. No, that's true. Their temporal fortitude is off the fucking charts. They are just zipping back and forth into another body, quantum leap style. I can't even begin to understand how their brains work. Now, I mean. I, I, I it, it's a completely different kind of temporal fortitude too. For me, it's You're it's right. it's about the you know ever increasing awareness of my fragility. But mm-hmm. for them, it's uh for for bare naked ABCs, it's a it's all about the ability to uh, kind of float freestanding in kind of a sea of just nonsense sure absolutely to live to live your life yeah one one moment you're you're four years old the next moment you're 32 the next moment you're 70 it's bizarre bizarre but ev you know speaking of temporal fortitude i think that's a great segue to this week's song as do i this week's song is called four seconds and if you've never heard it before here's a quick sample Show not what you know, but who you know, so's you know. I can go flow, build and roll, then throw the snow for the show, stay low. Play it on a dobro. Oh, I tiptoe to and fro from Ontario. My stereo's blue like the rodeo, growing like a freak show, free throw. It's just the intro, keep dropping like dominoes. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three. 
Ebo. Four seconds. What? Okay, I have been for a long time implying that this would be your most, perhaps your most hated song of the Bare Naked Ladies. So I need to know straight off the bat, you don't have to tip your hand too much. You don't have to tell me how naked you are, but I can see it. But what did you think generally of four seconds? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say two things. Uh, I thought it was fine. Okay. <laughs> However... The least hot or interesting take that we can have. Good. I like that. However, uh, as I was listening to it, my partner got progressively angrier every time it played (laughs) and ended up like yelling at me to stop. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, So, uh, you know, I think think you're right. This is a controversial song. This is one that a lot of people are going to have strong feelings about. Sure, absolutely. Now, usually, I imagine you listen to these songs in private, but you were upsetting him today. You just wanted to annoy your partner. Why Why was your partner around? So, you know, I, I, I listen a lot in private, but I think it's important to listen to the songs in different kind of uh, environments, right? So you mm, have to mm, listen in your headphones, mm. but you can't just listen in your headphones. That's a diff- It's a completely different way of hearing a song. Than playing it through a computer speakers or TV speakers or on a car ride. Sure, sure, absolutely. Good call. Interesting. So what? So you thought it was fine. You thought it was not not offensive to you. Did it uh, on multiple listens? I think it changes a lot. Did it change for you over time? Did it get better or worse? Well, um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest. Like it it really runs together to me. Like because it's. Because the lyrics, and I'm sure we'll get into this, because the lyrics are such nonsense, mm-hmm. it just, like, it ceases to kind of have a beginning or end. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and in and, and, and a lot of ways, I thought you would hate this because of the nonsense lyrics. You hate Ed's rap breakdowns. You hate nonsense. So I thought that you would just be so hateful of this song. But I think in reality, the way that you have to approach this song so you don't drive yourself mad is... This is a song where the voice acts more like an instrument than it does like a voice, right? It's kind of like scat. It is. It is. You know, we're 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 returning to Scatland, uh, sure. although not 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 quite. Uh, obviously, yeah. I hadn't even considered we're back in Lebanon now, aren't we? We are. Where uh, you know, no no children ever go hungry, <laughs> and no one can say a bad thing to anybody else. Sure, absolutely. No one thinks of war. No one even has the brain for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like if you and I, we we should and will talk about it lyrically. But that's the 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 period in this song. The point in this song is like, if you try to take it apart, if you look at it for more than half a second, it just fucking crumbles into dust like a mummy. Like it, you, it's truly the song that you have to think least about. Um, and I think now- it takes a lot of. Oh, go ahead. Now, can I, can I ask, uh, for, mm-hmm. for me, I, I had a very specific emotional reaction to this. Did this return you to a childlike state? Boy, um, did it return me to a childlike state? I don't know. A little bit, maybe. A little bit. I didn't listen to much hip-hop as a child, although I would really say that this is almost like the most tangential hip hop that you can get really just if we um, had black listeners, I think they might take offense at, uh, <laughs> at, at me defining what hip hop is and isn't. Yeah. Okay. You might be right no, at, as well. At, no, specifically at you defining this as hip hop. 
Oh, sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I cannot be unoffensive. Both things that I've said are offensive. <laughs> Telling them what it is, what it isn't. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Not really. Did it return you to childhood? A little bit. Uh, not in the kind of content, more in just the... Um, I think that uh, as a child, you know, you have like a, a playful... Like you, you have a playful relationship with words where like you'll freely make words up or say things just because they sound nice. Interesting. And I I think that this was very much an exercise in like, uh, um, finding words that sounded nice in, in, in sequence. Sure. Boy, you have just blown my ass back to middle school because I didn't relate to it until you said that. And then I suddenly remembered Skimberdoff which was my made-up word that I would use as an interjection. And now I am deeply embarrassed for myself and for everyone who had to interact with me. No, I, you know, I think everyone has words like that. I, I grew up, I grew up, my, uh, my dad convinced me that um, uh, when you take a bowl of ice cream and you mash it, you mash it down and you stir it together, you keep mashing sure. and stirring until it's almost like a paste Sure. Um, and then you eat that. So you're kind of like hand making a milkshake out of your bowl of ice cream. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, he convinced me that that was called Hanshins and Cons. <laughs> and so for years, I thought like I, I would just refer to it like I like even even into college, I would tell my friends like, oh, hey, I'm going to go grab some Hanshins and Cons. And people would look at me like I was a fucking idiot. But like, I think that spirit is what is what it pervades this song. Conscience and cons. What I'm so I want to know. Did he ever give you the etymology of that? No, have you ever never. asked? Never. Okay. And I, I, but I mean, now you have to. What was Skimberhoff? Skimberdoff. Uh, it was a truly something that I thought was fun uh, to say, and I thought it made me more interesting as a person to say. I mean, no, none of these things have have meaning <laughs> at all. So, uh, so, but, so I feel like we we both have like a lens through which we view this song. I guess that's true. I just hold, I need to go back to this for a second because Hanchins and Cons. The fact yes. that there are two discrete things in your equation there makes me feel like there's more of something going on. Cons feels like it's short for pecans. I want to pick apart your dad's brain. R.I.P. Okay. No, please. I feel okay. All right. I'm I'm very. We've talked about. We're both part of the Dead Dads Club, so I wish we could go back and and talk about it, but. What were the haunchins, I think? I'm trying to think of a sound alike. Was your dad super British, like into Cockney slang? No, Could not even a been... little bit. No, <laughs> okay. no, honestly. Like, I'm, I'm going to be frank with you. Like, he started saying it from such a young age for me <laughs> that I literally never questioned it until you started. Like, even as I got older and realized that this wasn't a thing, I never, it never occurred to me to like, be like, oh, I wonder why haunchins and cons. <laughs> sure, okay. Uh, All right, it was never... just part of my natural world. Sure, yeah, yeah. We it's it's difficult to break down our linguistic understanding uh, of, of phrases that we say every day, and I, I do assume you say it every day. Uh, you know, b- pre-pandemic, no, but uh, I, I gotta say, my <laughs> ice cream, uh, my ice cream eating has definitely increased. Sure, sure, absolutely. I'm with you. Um, yeah, I, I think to that point, I think it. I feel like it takes a lot of trust in your audience. If you had a song called Hanchins and Cons, you'd have people like me, big snot butts, who wanted to know what Hanchins and Cons were, when the point of the song is not to ask what Hanchins and Cons were. It's to simply enjoy the Hanchins and Cons, right? And I think Ed has immense trust in his audience where, you know, 
we're gonna I'm gonna do this song, and I have trust that my audience is not gonna break it down. They're just gonna enjoy it for what it is, right? You know, I think you. I, I, I think I agree. Uh, this is very much a song about feeling that feeling a vibe more than yeah. it is a song about understanding Fuck. what a human being is trying to communicate to you. Ed was vibing before vibing was a thing, and I love that. Damn, he's on top of shit. I love this it. Is okay, now vibe check the pod. <laughs> vibe check the pod. Words I never thought I'd hear you say, but it truly is vibe check the pod. Um, let's. We're already kind of talking about lyrics, so let's go through the lyrics. I think a little bit. Um, boy, oh boy, this song is nonsense to a degree. Um. I think for like my band 2D6, every album we like to do a song that's just nonsense because we have like every so often a rhyming couplet will pop in my brain and I'll be like, oh, that's fun. That's interesting. And I'll write it down on my phone. And then eventually we'll kind of build a song out of all those fun rhyming couplets. And this feels like that kind of song where he just had a bunch of really bad ideas and was like, what if I put them all together? Could be fun. Um, Was there any line that stuck out to you as as something that really was, was fun for you or interesting for you? I think fun and interesting are two very different words there. Sure, sure. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. It didn't stick out like the first time I like, okay. So there are a couple things that like do get much, much worse kind of the more you listen to a song like this. Right. Sure. Absolutely. And for me, there's one that, that we'll get to later, I I bet, but there's one that stuck out immediately. And I actually wonder if you liked it. And that Mm -hmm. was, uh, when he, when they said, uh, just in time to have another close encounter of the third kind while a little like alien noise played. Keeping up the smell bind, gotta make it worth the grind. Just in time to have another close encounter of the third kind. Sure. I did love the diegesis in this song, the theremin on the close encounters part. And when he says reverse the song, like reverses, like. I love that shit. I think that's super cool. I thought it was a ton of fun. I like I liked it the first time. Like it was just part of the part of the soundscape that was entering me. Sure, sure. But as as I divorced myself from that soundscape uh, with the passage of time, right, th- th- it did great a little bit. Well, let me ask you this: um, Did you listen to any live versions of? I did. Okay, so and not to not to go into them yet because we usually do that last. But in lieu of a theremin, because they usually don't have a theremin live, um, did you hear what Kev did instead? Uh, you're gonna have to refresh my memory. So I have lost a lot of my musical knowledge of instruments. Okay. Uh, sure, sure. Yeah. Well, he plays, he goes, do, 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 do. He plays part of the X-Files theme when they do that live instead, which I thought is very fucking cool. And here's the part that makes me look like a conspiracy theorist. This is, I believe, a callback to uh, one week because they did Don Le Maison, Le Maison, Le Oh, Maison. yeah, yeah. Which this feels like the rap breakdown from one week. Are we taking all the strings? Are we fucking tying them together into this ball? Is that what we're doing here? You know, um, I I wonder how many kind of uh, small callbacks this song has and whether or not you take it as BNL um, kind of PPE BNL trying to recapture that that sense of you know, we're the same band, we have the same interests, all that, and how much you take sure. it as, you know, we, we've, we've talked a little bit before about how they uh, have kind of a fixation on their past fame. Sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, like, are, are they trying explicitly to kind of call back to that? Are they trying to be like, hey, we're still those same fun-loving guys. Keep buying yeah. our albums. Yeah, but it seems like such an insider fucking, like, nobody, I don't know. That is that is a great question and an interesting quandary, and we need Steve on the podcast. Get off your we're, fucking duff, Ev, and do some work. I, you know what? I'm going to start uh, tweeting at him regularly. I think uh, we need to recruit our fans. Um, I think I, we need to make this a campaign. I think, yeah. You know, I think that um, you've been trying this on your own for so long. And I think that that, that shows a lot of strength for you. But we need Thank to recruit you. people. You. Do you think there's anything, you know, when, when a show is getting canceled, you'll... you'll uh, post PO box the network and send them like a potato, like something that's relevant to the show to be like save our or whatever. Right. What's something I'm sure we could find Stephen Page's fan mail address. What is actually my friend ordered a sweatshirt from him and it appears that he is shipping the sweatshirts out of his home. So we do have his address. Um, so what can we mail? What can we get our listeners to mail to Stephen Page in order to get him on this podcast? Bare naked ladies. The book with pictures of naked women with bare heads. Is that what you're speaking of? No, as I understand it, that's actually a limited edition. I think only like 10 or 20 copies of that book exist. (laughs) Holy shit. A fan, a truly kind fan sent that to me. I am in awe now. That's amazing. Um, Um, I just meant like pictures of naked ladies that you like. Sure. Okay. I like the idea that we send them this with absolutely no explanation. I just want him to open an envelope and vintage pornography fall out of it. And then there never is any explanation as to why this is happening to him. Here is a pro tip for our uh, younger listeners. If you go mm. to um, uh, kind of antique stores or not antique stores, like thrift stores, mm. they often have like playboys from the 70s and 80s, Ooh. which are hilarious. But also, you know, I mean, great way to get porn because uh, I, I can't think of other ways to do it this in this day. Now I truly have to grapple with the enormity of, do I actually post his address to our Twitter to get our fans to do this? He wouldn't hide it. You know what? I I think that's a hard no, but uh, I I do think we can just tweet bare naked ladies at him and just say like, this stops when you go on the pod, love (laughs) Saker. Sure. He will block all seven of us and then be done with it. But yeah, I, okay, we could do either so, one. Of so, so we'll, we'll brainstorm ways that, that won't get blocked then. Sure. Okay. I like that. Um, yeah. Let me tell you, I loved my, my perhaps favorite line uh, happens near the beginning of the song, getting back to this song, um, which would be, um, I believe it's near the beginning. Uh, I can go flow Bill Monroe, then throw to snow. You know, so as you know, I can go flow Bill Monroe, then throw to snow for the show stay low. It's just so fucking Ed in a nutshell because he's dropping in. It truly feels like he's digging through. I mean, he's doing what all good good rappers do, which is comb his brain for these like little pop culture nuggets that when you get, you feel really good about. It's actually less rap and more nerdcore is what he's doing. He's dropping in these pop culture nuggets that make you feel good when you hear them and understand them, which is wild to me. I, you know, I think that, uh, it's, it's kind of been unstated, but I, I, I think that we've really underrated how influential BNL was to the nerdcore scene. God, you might be right. What? One week was 97 talking about Sailor Moon. That's fucking way before any other, wait, 98, 98. That's wild. I think you're right. 
Yeah, I mean, you you owe your entire musical career to the Bare Naked Ladies. I, I can see why you wanted to do this show so badly now. Sure, I'll, I will make it up to them by sending them vintage pornography into their P.O. box. Um, so which, just... which lady do you think would enjoy getting vintage pornography the most? I can't, I can't help but say Ty simply because he's the most hedonistic lady. I mean, I feel like, I don't know. What do you think? No, I, I, I agree. And, you know, I have a question for you. How did you feel about Ty being one of the lead vocalists here? Fuck, it's so fucking good. I like, this is Ty's, I mean, it's, it's sort of his like debut, even though he was on snack time, but he's just such a delightful goofball. Isn't he great? I, I was not expecting to find him as just odd and, uh, you know, charming. Like, he's uh, he's got he's got a very distinctive voice. Mississippi 2, Mississippi 3, Mississippi 4. I think it's underrated how much all of the BNL singers have really distinctive voices. Like, you can really pick them out from anywhere. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Although, I, I think, to a non-trained ear, I've heard... Like, oh, Steve and Ed sound alike, which I think is wild, but I, I think that, just like on podcasts, people confuse the McElroy brothers, but I think like, what the fuck, what are you doing? They all sound so different, but I mean, that's because I already know them and love them, so. And I think also like, you know, I mean, people who are just casually listening are not going to pick up on, are not going to pay attention to and like internalize that kind of difference. Like you, yeah. you have to have some degree of like active listening skills to sure. pick that up. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Um, All right, so yeah. that, that's one of your favorite lines. Sure, absolutely. Well, it was. let me tell you, it was one of my favorite lines because not only is it funny that Snow is his go-to rap reference because Snow fucking sucks ass, <laughs> but um, it's just a great that he picked out two Canadians, one a bluegrass singer, one a rapper. Like, there's nothing that's more Ed than that fucking line. It's so good. Um, yes, there are, of course, songs that are uh, lines that I hated. No. Now, real, Go. real quick, if I, if I can, if I can defend, Please. if I can defend the boys for a second. Are you, okay, as long as you're not defending Snow, which is like where I thought you were going for a second. No, no, no. But I will say, you know, Snow is kind of a lazy rhyme. I mean, it's so easy to rhyme. He sure. overuses it perhaps a little bit. Um, all that. I mean, he he rhymes something with Snow twice in this song. Uh, I think you might be then throw to Snow before the show, but he does rhyme. It's not what snow you drift. know, but. And snowdrift with redshift. Oh, shit. But they, he's not rhyming snow. He's rhyming That's drift true. with shift. But you're right. He does mention snow twice. Very bizarre. Oh, goodness. But, uh, you know, I mean, so it is a little bit of a lazy rhyme. But in the kind of typical BNL, like, the, you know, they want to show off their wordplay. They, they do try to rhyme uh, with orange. Well, you asked me what my least favorite uh-huh. lines of the song are. And I think that is... The most unnecessary and worst part of the song is trying to rhyme with orange. It's such a fucking like flex. Like it, he <laughs> thinks he's fucking flexing on us by like, let me not only give you one, not just two, but three rhymes with the word. Oh, you think nothing rhymes with orange? Check this out. And it's like, okay, you can do it, but should you have done it? Because what it does is it slows down the song where he goes, oh, flip. The light is turning orange. And when it slows down, you have time to think. And that's the last thing you fucking want in this song. Because when you have time to think, you immediately go, hey, Ed, nobody says, oh, flip. That sucks. And you're using it as a cheap way to segue into your next line. What coat ripped. Like, that sucks. Oh, flip. 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 Oh, flip.
flip, the light is turning orange Coat rip when I caught it in the door hinge I slip when the lady in the four-inch Bought it in a store in Germany Wore like a makeshift When he's flying, it's difficult to take umbrage with anything in specific But here he like, he's he's going too slow And then the next line, coat ripped Like, ugh, this sucks, it, bad You know, it, it's I, I get where you're coming from It's not yeah. the line that made me angriest But uh-huh. um, I will say uh, I mean, even in that kind of like uh, Even in that kind of stanza You know, I, I liked that um, uh, I liked that more than like You know, when Greta got an eye lift Oh what? sure, that one's obscure Maybe even piss poor drift, Had to get a gift, saw the red chip rip Greta got an eye lift Oh sure, that one's obscure Maybe piss poor, but I had to take a little detour did you understand that line? I did a lot of research. So that was clearly a reference to Fox News host Greta Van Susteren. Yes, yes. How bizarre, right? <laughs> so weird. She got plastic surgery to remove the bags under her eyes in 2002. Why mention this? What the fuck is so, happening? So let me let me I guess complicate this narrative. In the lyrics that I've seen, mm-hmm. they spell Greta with two, with T's. two T's. Greta yes. Van Susteren spells it with one T. I, I think it's possibly maybe to obscure the fact that he's digging on a woman for uh, improving her appearance in the way she wants. Maybe it's possibly because he didn't know how to spell it. So when he was writing the liner notes, he just fucking wrote whatever he thought it was. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard. I, I do think there's some meaning there going back to the... Um, uh, saw the red shift rift when Greta got an eye lift because she's kind of she was the most kind of left leaning person on Fox so that was the rift in the red shift mm-hmm. I think maybe possibly I now, could be reading too far into it now I do get that and uh, we are actually going to revisit a lot of this stanza in the uh, sci-fi movie read that we do okay good um, good good however I, I have to ask. Uh-huh. Did you find the website stranded in uh, stranded in Toronto with regards to that line Greta got an eye lift? No, please. So, um essentially, uh as I as I discovered, um when I googled this line, there is a story on stranded in Toronto called Orgasmic Development. About a woman who goes to spend a weekend with her lover while her husband, uh, like away from her husband, uh-huh. and when she when she comes back, she learns that, um, uh, or I don't know if she learns it, but uh, her husband is in a uh, hospital bed, uh-huh. and he. So you, I guess, I guess you can you can you can bleep this. I'm going to do a quick reading. Uh, and it's going to be a little dirty, uh, oh, at least please. for one line. So he says, let's see. Walking confidently into room 242 where she found him sleeping, she grimaced and her shoulders sank at the bong, bong, bong of the heart monitor. Sitting in the bed beside him, she snuggled into his shoulder. Bill was nudged awake and slipped his arm around her. You made it. His beige hospital gown was near see-through. She looked into his near, uh, his near white, once blue eyes. Not a single hair was left on his head and very little meat on his face. <laughs> of course I did. He kissed her forehead and hugged her tight. She snuggled in harder, but still thoughtful of not wanting to hurt him. Did you see Todd? She smiled and kissed him. Of course. His smile increased to a toothy grin. He made you come? Her <laughs> eyebrows shot skyward in exhilaration. 
many times. <laughs> now, earlier in that song, she is driving to the hospital in a Ford Escape, and the only line that the only lyric that she references as she drives to the hospital is, and Greta got an eye lift. What the fuck? <laughs> So this is like a Toronto erotica blog that referenced this bare naked lady, this, this four, specifically four seconds. I, I truly just searched for everything that you just said and I could not find it. Please send me the link. I will include it in the show notes so our listeners can perhaps jacket to bare naked ladies more than you usually do during this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. What the fuck? That's so bizarre. Okay. Do you think there was there was a pertinence in them referencing specifically the Greta got an eye lift line? No, honestly, like <laughs> okay. it was. I think it was just like this. This was written in like uh, 2012. Uh-huh. Uh, this song came out in like 2010. I think they were just like it was probably it had played on the radio like a couple sure. years earlier in sure. in, in Canada. And it was just on the writer's mind as he was wow. writing this, this erotica story. Wow. How bizarre. I, I truly don't even know. That is uh, all, like so fitting of this song, though, where nothing makes sense. Like you're living in some upside down world is, <laughs> yeah, this weird cuckolding erotica with bare naked ladies thrown in halfway through. So wait, he was dying and his wife went off and, and had sex with another man. Is that what I'm understanding? His, his, she did, and her, her husband is okay with that because he's dying. He wants someone to take care of her. Sure. Now, there is one comment on the story. <laughs> uh, one comment from Kazi Girl, and it is definitely a bittersweet revelation. <laughs> what do you think her revelation was? I think it's that it's that her husband knew and is okay with it. And um, I thought because, you meant Kazi girl herself had a bittersweet revelation. No, no, no. Just that the story in like the story impacted her emotionally a lot because sure, sure, uh, sure. like literally the last line of the song is her or the last line of the uh, story is her husband saying to her, good girl, I should meet him sometime. I want to approve of the man who will take care of you when I'm gone. Oh, I hate that. Oh, <laughs> growing like a freak show. That's really upsetting. God, can you... That's truly a, a terrible line to have quoted in there. And I'm trying to look for a worst, a worse line that could have been in that story. But I think... Greta got an eye lift might be the the worst line to put in an erotica story. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Weird. Very, very bizarre. Here's the thing. I think it's the one line of the song that wouldn't appear in any other song. Like, you can quote that, and it is unquestionably from this specific song. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of rando references in one week, but I feel like, yeah, especially temporally, I mean, we're talking about Greta Gott and I lift in 2002, so yeah, has to be. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, speak, speaking of one week, I, I, I am segueing back to the song, and I apologize for that. Um, Ed is so fucking cool and calm in his delivery on this song, which I feel like is an interesting change from the days of like one week and other rap-heavy songs. It's a very deliberate big swing where he's like talking really slowly and calmly. Yeah, no, I, I think that, 
while this song is not as good as one week, I, I, sure. I don't think that's I like, there's no question. The song is not as good as one week. Sure. It is uh more confident, mature, like delivery, uh, delivery on it. Like he's yeah. definitely grown as a singer, even as the, uh, I think part of what, um, and maybe, maybe you'll disagree with this part of what the charm of early BNL and part of the reason that they found this kind of cult success was specifically because they were not professionals. They were kind of, they, they felt like a bunch of buds goofing around and yeah. there was a whimsy and a freedom to that that is gone yeah. now. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Interesting. Okay, that's that's a fun analysis. Um, do you have any anything else lyrically that you wanted to talk about? Because I have some musical notes that are not super important, but anything else stuck out to you? All right, I've got one thing. This was my most hated line. Oh, please. Uh, this was... this made me angry the first time uh-huh. and it made me angrier every time after uh-huh. that is the final one Mississippi two Mississippi three Mississippi four Mississippi. Because it is not on, uh, it is not, it is not like, it's not on the beats and it's sure. not on time. So sure. you, you want to sing along. You want to be like one Mississippi, two Mississippi, but instead, not only is it not like a one second, two second, uh, count. Sure. Two Mississippi drops in the middle of a, like in the middle of a beat where everything else drops kind of between notes. Yeah. Yeah. It infuriates. Yeah. Okay. Well, obviously they're playing with our expectations here, but you have to wonder to what end, because you're right. If you want a hit song, you want something that's sing-alongable. Yeah, that sucks. It sucks that they're, they're subverting our expectations in the worst way possible. Yeah. You know, I, um, I, I really wish that I liked that. <laughs> I really <laughs> wish that I, that I, I had been like, oh, you know, I, I like that this subverted my expectations. No, yeah. I hated that it subverted sure, them sure. and I hated them. I, I, I like it in a technical sense because I think it's interesting that Ty is both playing the drums and singing off beat at weird intervals, but he's good at doing both. But you're right. It sucks. Like there, there's no, there's no getting around the fact that it's it's bad that they did that. Like it is, there is no excuse for that. Um, All right, let's let's hit the music now. Okay, let's go to some music. You're in, Ebbo. You're like you're taking the reins today. Usually you're sitting in the cut, and I have to be the uh, the maestro of this podcast. But thank you. You know what? I'm trying to respect the work that you put into this show, and uh, you know, be contribute. Really pick up my 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 pieces. You're a different man. I love it. It's good. Um, yeah, let's... Uh, my favorite part, I think, is that uh, the chorus, because the chorus has two things that I thought were so cool. You have that sort of mandolin-esque guitar that's like just plucking away, and maybe it's a dobro. I don't actually know much about a dobro, uh, and I didn't look it up, but he does reference it during the song. I might look it up right now. But that, in conjunction with the um, the tuba-like bass line, that womp, 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 is so much fun. Like, <laughs> they're just so great together. It's this, it's this sense of whimsy it brings to the song. It's very cool. Um, you, you know, um, I... 
I, I agreed at first, but this uh-huh. is one of those songs kind of speaking to the way that they can get a little bit, I don't know, they, they, they can grate a little more as you go. Um, so when I first started it, uh, I, I got to ask, have you ever seen a movie called The Triplets of Belleville? I've not. Okay. So it's, you know, a French animated movie. Um, okay. uh, it's got some great, great music in it. But uh, the beginning of the song has this kind of jazzy French feel to it. Okay. That, uh, really, that I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. You know, they've played with world music kind of before, right? Sure, sure. You famously have hated it. I, yeah. And I was like, okay, like, what are they doing here? <laughs> and then they kind of introduced like a... a, a almost like new Jack swing influence. Yeah. A little bit. And then, and then a little bit of a club thing. And I was like, Oh, they're doing too much at once. <laughs> and you know, like I think the individual bits like that you pick out there, like it, there are individual bits that I'm like, Oh, this is really cool. Like I, I like what they're doing. Uh huh. I don't think it sits together for me. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. So you thought they were doing too much here. Wow. That's interesting, although not surprising from you. Um, well, as I always say, you know, I mean, the defense against kind of, uh, you know, like appropriation or against, um, uh, you know, when you're when you're referencing something is doing it well. And like sure. when you just jam uh, French jazz, New Jack swing and club music together, I think that you've really got to nail it. And I don't think yeah. they did. Yeah. I don't, these guys are masters of their arts. I don't know. I thought I thought that it needed to sound very full because I think the point of the song was just to like, this is a, a fucking Mack truck hitting you on the street. Like it's confusing. It's wild, but the Mack truck is filled with like fucking balloons and cake and it's playing a party song as it's passing. It's playing the fucking six flags Venga boys song. So like, it's kind of fun, but it's also wildly confusing and perhaps a little painful. I feel like it needed to sound that full, any less full. And it would have been, I don't know, less of a, a song. The, the addition and subtraction of instruments throughout the course of the song was an interesting way to, I think, keep things fresh and novel throughout the course of it. So, yeah, you know, I, I agree. I agree with a lot of what you're saying, man. But like, yeah. I don't I don't think that they I don't think that they pulled it off. And I, I feel bad saying that. Um, Mm. because I was just talking about how their kind of amateur, uh, nature was like charming in the, um, uh, in the kind of early days of like, you know, if I had a million dollars and, uh, one week, the playfulness and kind of experimentation there was, was just more charming to me when they were young. So, so let me ask, this one does sound amateurish to you. It sounds like they tried a bunch of things and failed. No, I, I think that this sounds like a professional failure. Okay, got it. Do you think that that's, had this song been on Gordon, say, obviously, would you have cut it more slack? Would it have been a better song? Is it because they're so experienced that they should know better? Um, I think if this song was on Gordon, I think they would have probably tried a little bit of, they would have, it, it would have been a little tighter Mm -hmm. Uh, in the kind of different sounds that they were jamming together. Sure. But I think it would have been looser in the vocals. And you know what? I I think as I'm talking, I'm realizing that like that is part of, uh, that's part of the charm is, you know, like um, 
like a simple, simple experimentation. Whereas this is very clearly the output of like a professional band with like producers and editors and all that. Yeah. Um, they are grown men, uh, grown, grown bare naked ladies who want to, you know, um, want to experiment with different sounds, but aren't quite good enough to pull it off in this. Damn. Yeah. That is, that's harsh. We're going to get some hate mail for that one, Bo. I don't think we uh, will. No, you're right. Nobody gives a shit. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. I could see that. That makes me sad, but I think you're right. I think it's it gets harder and harder as we move along to cut them more slack. Well, um, and I mean, can, can, I ask, can I ask you? Now, we've, you we've talked a little bit about kind of nostalgia being a toxic impulse in the of past. Of course we have. Right? Yes. Um, is the reason that we cut more slack to the kind of amateurish nature of the old songs is because we first experienced them when we were young. Yeah. Uh, boy, oh boy. I guess so. I mean, yeah. I mean, it has to be. I mean, it's a combination of all those things, right? It's a combination of they were young, we were young. Uh, they always hold a special place in our heart. I don't know. I now, mean, I think you and I have ragged on those early songs before too, and you don't especially have any nostalgia for them. We we have, but can, you know what? Like, I I want you to do an experiment if you can. I know okay. that you uh, have access to people who have not heard like bare naked ladies songs probably right. ever. Right. Right. I think you should play this song and one week for them and ask them what they think Boy, as people that's... who have no connection emotionally to now, kind of those younger days. Sure. I think it might be hard to find someone who's never heard one week, possibly. Um, you know, Ebo, you do have a very young son. Can you please play one week and four seconds for him? But both with numbers in the titles, by the way, I'm just realizing. That's um, true. And, now, uh, I will say okay. I have raised I have raised my boy on a steady diet of bare naked ladies. That is this most is of what he listens to because that's <laughs> most of what I listen to a lot of sure. days sure, uh, to absolutely. get ready for this show. Uh-huh. So he he has heard a lot of these songs okay. many many times. All right, we'll figure it out. I'll find I'll play him for my my classes, uh, and we'll uh, we'll figure <laughs> we'll figure it out. They are going to hate me. Um, yeah. Oh man. I don't know. Now you've got me really thinking like how much of this is, is truly nostalgia. We are just going to hate these next albums, but you know what? I think that's a good reason that we had. I know you hate them. Ev. the a good reason that we have guests on because I feel like most guests are totally new to the bare naked ladies and they're just game for whatever. So I'm curious. We haven't had guests for an album and a half. Now we need to get them back and start seeing how they feel about the PPE. Cause this sort of modern music might appeal to them more. I, you know, it's, it's possible, but I think that's only mm. going to work with younger guests. I, I think that, you know, a lot of our guests are closer to our age and they're going to have, even if they don't have the same relationship growing up to Bare Naked Ladies that you do, they're going to like have heard one week on the radio and they're going to sure, have heard sure. probably Weird Al's one week, you know, uh, parody and all that. Jerry Springer. Okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, in any case, you agree that we should have guests back on, maybe just younger ones. What I think that you should put out some calls for just the youngest people you can find who will come <laughs> on a podcast with us and 
just you know what put up some posters around your school sure, uh, sure, just sure. say you know hey do you want to be on a uh do you want to become podcast famous you know uh-huh. uh, show up at this address uh sure. all that <laughs> look for the two adult men no parents allowed you. sure absolutely npa um, it's a it's an npa agreement um let a little more about the uh the music there's a lot of sampling going on in this song, which I thought was cool. The sample sounding, the initial drums sounded very sampled, which I thought was cool. The intro sounded like sampled from some. It reminded me a lot of like, oh, set the metronome. Like the one, two, three, four it was very weird. And I it got me wondering if four seconds is a reference to uh, like a count in for a, a song. Like these are the four seconds before we can begin playing. One, two, three, four. You, you know, I, I, I wonder about that, too, because uh, as as you said, you know, like I saw some some live versions and things like that. And I think that there was like a little bit of confusion around like, OK, I'm going to count in and then we're going to go into like counting. And yeah. I do think there was some confusion for them there. Interesting. I haven't seen the ones that you've seen, perhaps, and I'm curious to hear about them. So, um, can I ask you? You mentioned you agreed that there was some like kind of new Jack Swing influence, you know. Sure. And as I'm talking, I realize you know I, I kind of poo pooed you a little bit over call, talking about the hip hop influence of this, but new Jack Swing was kind of a influential, uh, albeit brief period in kind of uh, hip hop that was very popular. So I yeah. think you're 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 more correct than me. But you don't need to tell me. I, I'm just going to accept when I'm correct. Even if you tell me different, I know that what I'm saying is true. Man, so look, you going back. Yeah. Look, I like I love you and I respect you. And all I want to say is like, I'm glad that you have that kind of internal self-confidence that you can do that. But I feel like you shouldn't you shouldn't then expect less of, you know, the people around you in your life. You should. Uh, not just have the confidence to know when you're right, but you should have the confidence to demand that other people give you the respect and love that you deserve. Damn, Ev. That's true. Thank you. I've never thought about it that way before, but you're right. I do. I should demand respect. Thank you. I, I, this is really a turning point for our podcast. I Things are going to be different after today. Agreed. Damn. Um... Uh, and the only other note was that I love the use of like sniper style harmonies in this one. Lots of voice doubling on very certain words creates that fun feeling. Yeah. You know, there was, and uh, you know, I mean, not to, I, I don't want to talk about the lyrics here, but I, I think that you said earlier that they use their voices in this, like an instrument. And yes. I think that was my favorite instrument in it was, was oh. the way that they, the way that they, you know, uh, harmonize the way that they introduced kind of tie as a, oh. uh, Tie as a way to break up the um, sure uh, break things up and kind of mark a tie has a very chaotic vocal energy. Oh, he does one hundred percent. I think that was to me like the best part of the song was hearing kind of like the screeching Goblin King drop in <laughs> and yeah. just like blow shit up, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh man. Um. Hey, let's let's talk. Let's segue over to live versions. Talking about children. Did you see the Dagny version of this? I did not. Oh, my goodness. Here is someone who is exploiting their four-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old for views on YouTube. 
she sings the entirety of four seconds without any cue cards, without sometimes her dad has to prompt her at the beginning of like a verse is like, oh, flip. And she'll be like, oh, flip. Like, it's turning orange. She's fucking great. And she loves the song. It's incredible. It is heartwarming. The Dagny version rules. Might be so, my favorite version of the song. All right. So I've, I've got to ask, though, do mm-hmm. you feel comfortable rewarding the exploitation of children like that? Yeah, I do. I mean, what are children for except to solidify a future for their parents? And I think a good okay. way to start that. Yeah. I mean, why? Why did you have a kid, Ev? So that you would have someone to take care of you when you're old, right? No. Why did you have a kid? So that I would have someone to fight my enemies for me who they couldn't see coming because he's so small. Okay, still exploitative. I was worried for a second. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I, I thought it was, sure, fucking fight me. Kid YouTube videos are great. (laughs) Are you going (laughs) to argue with me on that? You know what? I, I am not. Um, I just, you know, I think that the way that you introduced it, cause I didn't see this video. So the way that you introduced it as he's exploiting his child, I was like, you know what? <laughs> this makes me uncomfortable, but sure. if you love it, then I, I will give it, I'll put some respect on it. Yeah. It did make me a little uncomfortable at times because I think after the second verse, he goes, okay, last one. And she goes, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, you're almost done. You're almost done. Do the whole thing. And she goes, No. And then he co- co- uh, coaxes her to do the whole thing. Now, obviously, uh, I try to get my son to sing songs to uh, our friends often. And he, he he routinely says, no, I don't want to. Sure. Um, and, and you respect that usually. I do. You know, yeah. I, I think that uh, one thing we need to work on teaching children more is kind of that, that autonomy, right? That sure. when they say no, it means no. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a message to all our listeners out there. Uh, no means no. Um, okay. Um, other, there are so many fucking, where do you want to start on live versions? I had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven live versions to talk about. All right. I want to talk real quick about the persuasions version, which uh, this is not the first persuasions version we've done. Right. Is this the most wasted the persuasions have been? I wrote criminally undervalued in my notes. Absolutely, they are legends relegated I, to harmonies. I was so disappointed that they basically had them doing for most of the song just the one Mississippi two. They had them doing ties parts, and yes. you know what? They're the persuasions. I, you know, I love Ty, but you know what? He's not the persuasion. She's the intro. Keep driving like dominoes. One Mississippi two, Mississippi three, Mississippi four. Absolutely. It is so upsetting. Yeah, the persuasions, I cannot believe that they agreed to do this song. More than just that, this is a like kind of a difficult, I'm sure it wasn't difficult for them, but like the timing on it, especially at the end, it seemed like a lot of them were like unsure about like, why give them a hard song that doesn't offer anything to them? You know what? The timing was difficult for them because the timing is garbage. Yeah, 100% true. Yeah, absolutely. I just don't understand why this song this is not a song they play live a whole lot like you know what i i suspect it's because this is a song that has a lot of influences in like you know jazz and hip-hop and bluegrass and stuff like that and so when they were going through their catalog and thinking like what would be fun to bring like this you know the persuasions in on this would 
like intellectually, this song makes sense for that. But I mm-hmm. think if they're doing that, they have to give the persuasions the lead. They, the persuasions take yes. the lead on this, yes. not Ed. Yes, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. To shove them into the background is is so insulting. Um, I mean, they seem now. Listen again, us speaking for black people in the black community. <laughs> my apologies. They seem like they're having a great time. So for me to call this insulting for them does also feel bad. Um, I think I think it's more insulting for their fans a little bit. Like yeah, maybe so. You know, seeing them play not just second fiddle to bare naked ladies, but also. Uh, so like, this is like fourth fiddle in this song. Yeah. yeah. And also it's just not one of BNL's best songs. So no, absolutely. Yeah. It's not like one that I'm excited to hear, uh, the persuasions do. Now, again, not to tip my hand, but comparing this to you run away, which was the opening single from this album. I like this song better. If I had to pick a song from this album, that should be the lead song should be kind of the hit. I think four seconds so far. Well, no summertime. But uh, four seconds is not bad. I, but we both fucking thought summertime ruled. I, you know, I agree. Four seconds, not, 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 um, not necessarily, uh, not the worst. Right. But you know what? Not, not persuasions. Sure, 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 sure. Not persuasions worthy. Uh, let me pick the next one here. How about the uh, the London Orchestra version? Did you see this one? No, I did not see the oh. London Orchestra version fuck it's incredible they're playing with the london orchestra you can tell that they didn't have a ton of time to practice because ed is just like uh this is in the it's in the key of improv you'll just you'll get it just play along and then he pulls up one of the violin players like the lead chair violin and he's like hey we're gonna point to you and we want you to just play solos at certain parts this dude goes off (laughs) it's incredible (laughs) like truly uh, they're they're awesome um, so, so what, okay. So I get the solos. What else does an orchestra add to this? Cause this is not a uh, typically orchestra, like what I, what I associate sure. uh, stylistically an orchestra with kind of improving. Nothing. They, they add nothing to the song aside from this <laughs> violin solo. That's incredible. Uh, but it, it has this, it's got this bizarre, I wrote bizarre sleepover energy in my notes where it just feels like they're all like, it's late and they're all just fucking goofing and laughing at the word fart. And like, they're having a great time. Um, Ed forgets the third verse. Ty half remembers it and reminds him like, it's just, everybody's having a good time. And Ev, I'm going to implore you to watch it because the violin uh, player goes off on this last solo and, um, he he starts playing and it's after like the one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four, and he's p- still playing his solo. And then all the boys look at each other and they all jump back into the song while he's playing. <laughs> it's unre- It's so good. It's so fucking good. You know what? You know what? You know what, Saker? You know, yes. uh, I, uh, I, Evan Dickin, promise that I will listen to the orchestral version of this every day this week. Thank you. I appreciate At it. At least okay. once before bed. 
Okay, <laughs> much appreciated. So I assume you know. I mean, this because this was this was top of the list. Uh, wh- what did you think of the selfie cam jam? I mean, it's great. I love all the selfie. Cam- I think they're so much fun. Fucking Ed truly has never seemed more like a millionaire than standing in his backyard <laughs> <laughs> with the fucking picturesque view of Canadian mountains. Like, holy shit! So um, d- does does that level of wealth change your view of him? No, I don't think I liked Ed because he was a poor man. (laughs) I mean, I feel like, you know, he put the work in. He contributes to great causes. He raises money like he's a good dude. He can live comfortably, I guess. I don't know. All right. I mean, I just I think part of the reason I ask is, you know, I mean, like their one of their first hits is, you know, if I had a million dollars, I mean, he has a million dollars many times over now and he did none of those things. You don't know that. You don't know he didn't buy a green dress. You don't know he didn't buy a K car. He's never, he's never illustrated it to us. The judges of him. <laughs> That's how you view us. We are the ultimate arbiters of very good ladies. The culmination of this podcast. I don't know if our listeners know this, but uh, the last episode of this podcast will be like Ed in front of the pearly gates after like a heart attack and like the two of us just listing his songs and oh, all the things fuck. he promised and did not promise. Oh my God. I, I will now. That's my ultimate mission is to get Ed on the final episode so that we can judge him. He just has to sit <laughs> silently. I, we don't even really need Ed. I, we can fuck. Okay. never mind. I'm just coming up with ideas for the final episode that maybe I'll cut from this episode so we can actually do it. In the end. <laughs> Um, ties a ham. Uh, Kev is being robbed at the end of this song. He's holding up his hands for a really long time. Um, you, you know what? Uh, I I have a lot of respect for anyone who can rob someone while they're rob a famous <laughs> musician while they are on camera. Sure, sure, and yeah. get away with it because yeah. you know what? I I didn't see any uh, arrest records. No, neither did I. Um, here's the thing that really struck me from the selfie cam jam. It was powerful to me like this song seems enormously difficult to play live and they are making this technical challenge look like nothing which is bananas for a kind of a throwaway a silly goofball song like that speaks to the power that these boys have you know like you you say that this isn't a song that they play live often but like you know i mean another live version that i saw was uh them performing at i think a hockey game Oh, and I didn't see that one. Um, yeah, they were they were performing it at a hockey game, uh-huh. and you know what? Again, they they nailed it. They did a um, uh, they did a great job. That it was playful. It was quick. I I wonder if they like this song more than like people do, and that the challenge it brings them is something that 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 appeals to them. I wonder that as w- well. Oh, you know what? For some reason, I thought I checked this it, i thought they didn't play this song very much but it actually looks like they played it okay they played it a shit ton in 2010 2011 when this album came out and not yeah. much since then so yeah i do think they clearly cared for it they wanted it to be more popular than it was but it's kind of sunken into obscurity a little bit um yeah i don't know that's that's a great question maybe they like it more than people do i, I don't know i wonder if this song was even popular it's impossible he, to tell what metric he, do we use like the billboard yeah or how many youtube hits it has maybe 
Because yeah, I, yeah. I, I doubt it charted. Yeah. I, like, you know what? I think that is a common thing with artists, though, is if you ask an artist what their favorite work of their own is, it's often going to be something that's very, um, that's very, like, a, I don't know, like a little offbeat and more personal and more just like, oh, this is something I really wanted to try and see if I could do. Sure. And you know what? I think I nailed it. Sure, and sure. meanwhile, their fans are like, you know, hey, do the, you know, do the funny voice thing again. Or, hey, yeah. you know, give me a give me a sad song or give me a song about getting fingered in a car, you know? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this song, 2,500 views on YouTube. Very, very small. <laughs> um, so, yeah, maybe this is one that, that other people don't like, but they do. Interesting. Um, yeah, uh, my YouTube comment of the week comes from, uh, the selfie cam jam. Um, the YouTube comment of the week from Matt Augusto two months ago. The slim guy hardly talks. Why? I not from Canada. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I think that that is, I think that that is more thoughtful than, (laughs) than we think it is. And that was like. That was a moment for that commenter, you know? <laughs> sure. He not from Can- If he were from Canada, he would understand why the slim guy hardly ever talks. <laughs> um, let's just go through. Yeah, there were a bunch of live ones. Kevon Accordion. Ty had a big Fantastic Four symbol on his drum, which I actually think is kind of sad and very flagrant. Like, Steve's not here anymore. Fuck Steve. Um, there's an acoustic <laughs> version that was part of the, like, uh, if you bought this album from Best Buy or something, which is boring and sucks. How, so 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 the Fantastic Four symbol to you is, like, them calling out Steve again. I think it has to be, right? Like, we're not I, five anymore, but we're powerful as four. I think you're right. Uh, but, like, I don't know. Like, I I always get, like, a tinge of sadness when there's yeah. there are those those moments. Even though, you know what? That's not fair. Because we don't know how much like having like someone who does a shit ton of cocaine on your tour bus with you, like that has to be emotionally taxing, especially if it's like a friend who you've known for like 15, 20 years and you're seeing them just kind of like sink into this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so like, I I guess I get where they're coming from. I think just from the outside, it's hard for, for us to watch since we want them to all be buds. Sure. But, and, but, but I think at the same time, if you're watching your friend fall apart, to then once he leaves the band in a very tragic way to be like yo now we're the fantastic four also feels bad like celebrating his demise which I, you I, know yeah. i don't know i, I think no, there's I, a lot of i agree completely yeah uh and then they did a version on ships and dip four which is the first time i think i've logically understood that they did a cruise post steve which is very weird to me but the version is nothing yeah you know um it really feels like the cruise would be like a, a Steve driven thing in a way. Like he's such yeah. a big personality. Yeah, so. I, I, I too am surprised by that. Um, anything else on any live versions, anything from this song? No. Well no, then, Ev, why don't you just tell me your sci-fi read? All right. Well, as you know, um, well, first off, you know, I mean, obviously they don't have access to Steve's time travel anymore. Sure. Oh, sure. And so, yeah, so everything has to be kind of pre-2010. But this actually, uh, this was actually much older than that. And I think ties into those issues with Steve because this is clearly a uh, song about um, the film adaptation of Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse-Five. Interesting. Okay, explain. 
Well, so we've got, uh, are you familiar with Slaughterhouse-Five? I've read the book. I've never seen the movie. Okay, so Slaughterhouse-Five is about uh, Billy Pilgrim, a um, kind of a a guy who goes from like an American soldier um, in uh, World War II to kind of living in kind of post- um, like post-war America and kind of growing prosperous. But kind of the catch is he is kind of uh, unstuck in time and um, he will kind of slip uh, in, in his head for through kind of different moments in time, which this song is very chaotic. Uh, you know, we, we've mentioned repeatedly kind of the temporal fortitude uh, coming up around this song. That's a big thing in Billy Pilgrim's life is the ability to roll with uh, kind of slipping into different eras in time. Mm. Um, not only that, but, you know, I mean, um, what is what's the lyric, you know, uh, um, bought it in a store in Germany uh, or at, like oh. a makeshift snow. Dr- you know, I mean, uh, Billy Pilgrim fought in Germany in World sure. War II. He was present for the firebombing of Dresden. Sure. It's where the, the titular slaughterhouse is, in fact. We, um, we've we got um, the uh, just-in-time to have another close encounter of the third kind. Oh. And, of course, Billy Pilgrim uh, believes he was held in an alien zoo on Tralfamador. Sure, sure. Um, and I think just the general, uh, you know, I mean, we've got uh, the time travel theme. The boys are clearly commenting on Steve being gone and then losing access to this kind of, uh, um, this foresight that they had, this ability that they had. It goes to show it's not what you know, but who you know. And uh, you know what? Um, I think I think that... Uh, they also have a rich history of kind of anti-war songs and mm-hmm. Slaughterhouse Five is one of the most powerful and long uh, beloved uh, anti-war books and movies of all time. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Huh. So uh, not everything ties in. Some of them are just random synapse firing memories from the future or the past, like playing it on a Dobro or Greta having an eye lift. But but I think that all of those kind of, I think that the way that they jam them together, because part of Billy Pilgrim's thing is that like, this is not like um, controlled time travel, right? right? He is kind of just, he's, he's, yes, he is flashing from time to time to time without the ability to kind of guide that. And I think that when you jam like, right, um, Greta Van Susteren right next to kind of, uh, you know, buying the thing in Germany in a snowdrift right next to or, you know, just a little bit above Bill Monroe. Yeah. You've got this kind of sense of them hopping around in time from the distant past to just just recently to the future uh, without much control. This is a very uncontrolled song in a way. Yeah. And sure. I think that fits Slaughterhouse Five very well. Sure, sure. This it's like it's 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 like the Bernicke ladies didn't write this song. This song chose the Bernicke ladies in a lot of ways, I think. Agreed. Uh, it was Agreed. it was always out there in the universe, yeah. Um, okay. Cool. Interesting. I like that one. We're getting some literary shit in here too, Ebbo. That's interesting. Um but now I think it's I time- can read. I, you keep, every time I see you, prompted or unprompted, you do tell me that. And I do believe you. I 100% believe you. Um, it's time to rate this song. Ev, as you know, we rate this song on a scale of bare naked to fully clothed. The more clothes the song is wearing, the worse it is. The more clothes, the better. 
So, Ev, as we usually do, we're going to start with you. What is this on a scale of bare naked to fully clothed? So, um, you know, it's a kind of quiet day in Germany. Uh, <laughs> I am, um, I am, uh, uh, in my home, it's, you know, it's, it's nice and it's nice in here. You know what? Uh, it's warm and, you know, I get up, uh, obviously I don't, I sleep naked. I put this song on and you know what? I'm, I'm kind of jamming out. I'm like, oh, okay, this is, this is interesting. And mm-hmm. you know what? I, 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 I have to go and, um, pick something up from a store. So, you know what I, I but you know, I toss my shorts on, uh, some sandals without, uh, without socks. You know how sure. I hate socks, right? Of course. Yeah. Barefoot of course. man. Uh, so sandals, um, you know, shorts, uh, kind of lightweight t-shirt and, uh, you know, start playing this song again and I'm, you know, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm jamming. Right. Yeah. And I, uh, um, open the door and there's like a, there's a pretty stiff breeze. So I'm like, God, you know, um, uh, I should, I should put on another layer. I, I should. Okay. And so I start okay. the song again and I, uh, you know, I add like maybe like a you know, light, light sweatshirt and, okay. uh, you know, maybe I change out. I mean, uh, you know what? This is, it's chilly enough that, uh, maybe, you know, shorts are probably fine, but I should put on socks and shoes. So I do. And then I, I, I step outside and just fall into a four inch snow drift. <laughs> and I just, I, I claw my way back inside now, like shivering. Uh-huh. And I, I go and I just start wrapping myself in, in, in blankets and everything. Wrapping. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, for, for me, this song is like, you know, like this song is, is a really charming song. Good way to, good way to start your day. But the, the more you listen to it, the more you think about it, the more you try to analyze it, the more clothes I'm putting on, man. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. This is a song that does not benefit from repeat views. Uh, I think I'm on your side here, but less so. I think I, I start listening to this song and I'm like, oh, that was an interesting song. And then I listen to it again, and I listen to it again, and I listen to it again, and as I listen to it, I think it burrows deeper and deeper down into my brain and becomes something that, you know, uh, is is just permanently a part of me. It has sort of uh, attached to my 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 basic self, um, and I think I become more like this song, uh, and you know, over the next couple of days, maybe I get a little more erratic, a little more strange, and then at the end of the week. Um, after I've listened to the London Orchestra version every night before bed, which is also my thing that I do. I, I didn't tell you that, but I'm glad that we're on the same page now. Um, I get up the next day and I put on my big, furry, ripped coat. The one that I kept since I bought it in Germany. I put on my four-inch heels and the things that the song mentions, because those are the only things that my brain can comprehend at this point. I can only think in terms of four seconds. I can only dress in terms of four seconds. Um, you know, I think I think this song slowly drives me mad. So uh, I am in four inch heels and a giant uh, fur coat that looks like that makeshift snowdrift. Uh, and uh, it's ripped. So there's some skin showing. Um but I'm really wearing nothing under it. I kind of liked this song in the end. I was sort of into it. I think it's a fun song that is not 
for this podcast. We are the wrong people to look at this song. This song should be something that's on a mix and then you listen to and then it's over. This is bad any other way. I, I, I You know what? I respect your truth and I, I agree with it. Good. Uh, you know, uh, if this were a song that came on the radio once every couple months while I was driving to work. Sure. I think I would, I think I would enjoy it. Sure. Sure. I think so. Yeah. This is uh this proves that our podcast is, I think at its core, bad and wrong. I agree. Okay, good. Good. We'll be right back with more. It's all been done. A bare naked ladies podcast. <laughs> hey, Abbo. Hi. Hey, um, do you think that when we die, we get another chance? Um, you know, I have to say, I think that when we, I think that if when we died, we got another chance, that we would be in that other chance right now, just statistically speaking. And so when we die now, it's for real. Oh, so we only get one other chance. Yes. It seems unfair that we don't remember the first time. We can't correct our mistakes. It's almost a punishment. I think, though, we can correct our mistakes because, like, history books exist, right? Like, so so we can look back and be like, you know what? I don't know when or where I was in time, but I do know that, like, hey, like, letting fascism and white nationalism fester in a society has always led to something bad. Maybe I should stop that. Letting wealth inequality or things like that. Uh, and so, you know, I think I think it's uh, we want to we want to have that personalized memory of our past lives when in reality we weren't important enough to warrant that. And instead, we have to recognize that uh, we could have learned from those past mistakes if only we weren't so attached to wanting to be like Cleopatra in a past life. Damn, Ev going in hard. Well, I mean, we are assuming that we are existing straight across in a line like our next chance is going to be after our first chance i guess even if it's not we can still read history books even if we were born in the 1940s we can see oh fascism is bad based on everything that's happened beforehand right at what yeah. point at what point does at what point at what point at what point <laughs> at what point at what point do you give people a pass for being less than equal do you know what I mean? Like, is it the 1800s? Do you go like, well, they didn't know any better. Is it the 1700s? You know what? I, I think that's a fallacy because sure. like in the 1800s, right? Like you had uh, John Brown. So uh, I'm not, I, I, I just pulled 1800s out of nowhere. Is it the 500s? But like, you know what? Here's, here's the thing. I think that there's a lot of evidence that... Um, racism as we experience it uh, really only started to exist when British colonialism, when like European colonialism took off. Previously, okay. there was like prejudice against people of other nations or religions, certainly. Right. But it was not like necessarily color based in the same way. It was just like, you know, the Romans weren't like, I'm going to colonize just black people. The sure. Romans were like, I'm going to conquer everything because you aren't Roman. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Huh. Okay. So, so what's your number? Give me the pass number. I, I'm going to be honest. I don't think there is one. I, I think Damn. that, uh, I think that any time you are making that judgment, uh, there is a part of you that is aware that that's a fucking dumb way to make a judgment, man. Pre-recorded history. 
I, you know what? I can't say because okay. I have not been able to see, experience any of the records. I do feel bad that I'm trying to bait you into excusing racism at a certain point in history. You know, you know what? Here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. You're becoming a bad person by doing this. <laughs> I should look at the past and correct my mistakes. You are 100% right. Ev, earlier in the episode, when I when you asked me whether uh, Ed's beautiful house changed my view of what was happening, I didn't ask you back. I'm curious. I know how, uh, you know, how important ra- uh, uh, income inequality is to you. Does that make you hate Ed? I don't think it's about hating Ed. I think it's I think it's more about wanting to kind of uh, tear down brick from brick everything he's built for himself. <laughs> sure, absolutely. So what should what should Ed do as a millionaire to make himself better? You know what? I, I'm going to be honest. Uh, uh, I don't know what Ed's like net worth is, and you know what. The, when we talk about income inequality, we're not talking about like millionaires, right? Like sure. you can have a million dollars and like that's not going to last you even the rest of your life. Right. I think what people miss is that like the difference between Ed and like Jeff Bezos or Ed and like Elon Musk is is like Ed could make the his entire net worth every day for years and never come close to right uh, close to that amount of money that sure. uh, that Jeff Bezos has. Sure, so like, sure. I'm not looking to start with you know a musician who has like a nice house. Uh, I don't think that's where the problem lies necessarily. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Uh, I know celebritynetworth.com is not a good source, but $8 million is way less than I thought he would be worth. Yeah, like, I don't know, man. Like, $8 million is both a ton of money and also, like, you know what? That is an amount of money that, like, a a normal human being could make in a lifetime. Sure, yeah. Whereas, you know... Yeah, that's not dollars. the case for a billion dollars. Sure, absolutely. No, I am. I am with you. I am with you. Um, boy, interesting. You know, in thinking about billions of dollars, do you know what podcast that reminds me of? Uh, LGBT Time Machine. <laughs> exactly. Those. No, it's still the Charlotte Cushman episode. I cannot. <laughs> I cannot, in good conscience, do another. I, I could, but. Uh, it reminds me, oh, the Marmoset Chronicles. Yes, that's right. The Marmoset Chronicles, the eight movie saga by reclusive visionary director, Laz Patillo. You already know how it became a cultural touchstone from the 19, from 1970 to 1986, affecting everything in its wake. So why not another podcast on it? This show is simply a personal retrospective, a discussion of why Kirsten and Jay love these movies so dearly and what they've meant to us growing up through today. So of course, Laz Patillo, Famous visionary director. He is probably worth millions of dollars. Um, I I don't think he is. Uh, I think that he lost most of that when the arrests happened. Oh, shit. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. Um, Was he charged with something? Is that why? Like, how did he lose the money? Oh, I mean, you know, uh, when you get arrested in like a RICO statute, uh, right, the police can seize a lot of your assets. Yeah, okay, that checks out. Fuck, I didn't even think about that. I wonder what Laz is up to these days. I guess there's only one way to find out. Listening to The Marmoset Chronicles. Exactly. Uh, The program ended on July 31st, 2020. You can binge all 20 episodes 
including the Marmoset Chronicles, a final hurrah, uh, right here on the Orange Groves Podcasting Network. We're back with more It's All Been Done, a Bare Naked Ladies podcast. Now's the time of the show when we spin that big wheel and figure out what segment we're going to do today. Oh, go home. Ev, we got to describe where this narrator lives. Yikes. Um, Boy, I think so, we said it before, but my initial thought is hoarder. Your initial thought is hoarder. You know what? I'm, I'm going to say... Um, I don't think that's, that is my initial thought necessarily. Okay. Well, okay. I will say here, let me say, please say, let me, let me just say, I allow it. Can I say it? Can I finish? God, good reference. Go ahead. I didn't even make it. That was you. <laughs> you just good referenced your own reference. I'll do that. That's fine. <laughs> All right. You what know the, what? Say that's it. part of knowing your self-worth. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. All right. Um, I, I agree about the hoarder part, but uh-huh. I think this is like a, like a, almost like like backwoods swamp kind of hoarder, right? Like someone who has like a home that they built on, on uh, like on stilts in like the bayou. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. What gives you that impression from the song? You know what? The vibes, the vibes, vibe check. All right. Interesting. I could see that. I, I, and I don't think our ideas are mutually exclusive here. I think this could be like a, a an old Louisiana swamp house with uh, it's up on stilts and it's kind of a little bit rickety from the outside. I think there's a lot of like, God, it's almost like the uh, to me maybe the Disney version of that where it's got like oh, yeah. all this fucking kitsch, like big like signs hanging on the outside for like old gas companies and like shit that they found around the swamplands, but there's a lot of heart and a lot of love in it. It's the, it's the like Bayou, it's the Bayou hoarder house mm-hmm. where like a, a couple kids break in cause they're, and they're like scared of the old man who lives there. Right. But then they get lost in the piles of stuff. And when they sure. come out, they're in like another world. Oh yeah. It's kind of a Narnian. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. And all the piles of stuff are stuff from the old man's past. Uh, you yeah. know, a, a Bill Monroe CD, a Dobro, a fucking, an old Greta Van Susteren VHS tape from 2001. <laughs> um, yeah. All these like little hints of his past and then they're, they're in his world. So he's some sort of magician who has created this other world for himself. Uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. His- through his memories, through his references, much like that was Narnia. never that was never in question. I, I, you're right. We didn't talk about during analysis of the song, but I think we were both on the same page the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay. Interesting. I like that. So, oh. can, can I ask you a question? Of course, you, you can say whatever you want. You can ask me, Ev. You're so deferential today, too. All right, go ahead. All right. So here, here it is. If you were to encounter the swamp house, right? If you, if you go back, you are fourteen-year-old Saker, mm-hmm. right? I'm there. So think I don't. I, I didn't know you back then. So just give paint us a picture of what you looked like. But you you enter the swamp house. Where do you want it to take you? Like what pile of trash do you turn around and enter a new world? Oh boy, oh boy. Okay, so little Saker in. I've decided it's not Louisiana. It's of course Mississippi. Uh, of course. Are there swamps in Mississippi? Sure. Sure. 
Why not? Um, big poofy hair, uh, combed straight out as high as you can, circular little lens glasses, wearing an orange skateboarding t-shirt of a brand you've never heard of because it looked cool in Pacific Sunwear. You have orange shorts on with lots of buckles and zippers. Um, and you're going in the swamp house. You're looking, well, where do I want it to go? You enter the swamp house and there are just piles of manga everywhere and you're <laughs> flipping through card capture sakura and you're flipping through those who hunt elves and you turn around and you are in truly i don't think i mean obviously there's the chosen one trope in in lots of culture and especially of anime and i don't think i'm the chosen one here i think it's whoever made this house is the chosen one so i think i die Fairly quickly in a mystical universe filled with monsters and uh, and bad guys. What monster kills you? Boy, isn't that a great question. Um, I mean, it's the monster of the week. So I guess in the case of, like, this is a Sailor Moon thing. So somebody fucking enchants, like, a basketball sneaker. And <laughs> it, it grows arms and legs and fucking shoots energy basketballs at me that rip a hole in my chest. And uh, while screaming things like, uh, you're open. <laughs> but this sounds more like <laughs> Freddy Krueger. Now that you're open, bitch. And uh, uh, Ev, where do you want your your thing to take you? You know, um, I think you know for me, mm-hmm. and just for you, you're not talking about me. anyone else. That's good, of course. I think uh, you know. First off, obviously, young Evan. Uh, I've got I've got like a, a blonde mohawk, okay. right? And like just like nose piercings, lip piercings. I was a bit of a punk kid, okay. right? Okay. Uh, not like not like well done either. Like someone like I was at like a concert, sure. and yeah, I got like a safety pin in my yeah. nose, oh, kind boy. of thing, right? Yummy. Okay. Yeah, hell yeah, you know, like punk life forever, <laughs> uh, right? Yeah, I, you know me. Yes, of course you're right. <laughs> I'm as fucking punk um, as they come. But you know what? Uh, I, I I had a soft heart as a child, and okay. not a lot of people knew that when I was growing up because, I, you know, I always felt like I had to be kind of like a hard man for everybody. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I would say, uh, I would say uh, you know, I, I turn the corner and I'm in kind of like these – like like dusty old like the the library of alexandria oh. and i can i can take all of these old maps because that was around when i was getting into map like i of course you know i don't know if the listeners do i've had a long standing passion for maps okay. uh, i actually studied ancient japanese maps in sure. grad school absolutely and uh, i would love to get my hands on like a bunch of old lost maps that would be cool and as i hell. think that would have been yeah right oh man great okay so this takes us to our dream so you don't die in yours so i'm i i die you could you ever get back home you know what, though? I could die because I'm in the Library of Alexandria. Maybe it's right before the burning. Legit. Okay. Oh, so this is sort of a monkey's paw uh, house. It takes you wherever you want to go, but you'll probably die there. Yeah, I mean, the old man, you know, uh, had when he had built it, he... Uh uh, he had used it to travel all these places, and when something got him, he was no longer there to protect, uh, to keep, to keep people safe in them. Sure, sure, legit, interesting. Wow, how sad. Okay, well, um, this wheel segment killed us both. We, <laughs> it was described the narrator's home, and we eventually described our deaths, which I enjoy, and I think that's how every episode of Vernica Ladies podcast should go. <laughs> 
Now it's time to take an email from our friends, our fans, our snotty little suckers. Uh, you can email us if you'd like. It's all been done podcast at gmail.com. Here is a question from our friend, Jared. Can I ask, actually, let me let me interrupt. I apologize to Jared. How come you never read emails from like C's Richard? You know, C's has not emailed us in a really long time. I wish I missed. Do you think he's okay? Do you think I should shoot him an email? Maybe. Fuck. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to do that tonight. Should we compose it live on the air right now? You know what? I think that would be disrespectful to Jared. You're right. But uh, I do think you should reach out and just make sure he's okay. Yes. Let's give Jared his due. Uh, because especially because Jared, the subject of Jared's email is question of dire importance. Oh, sh- yeah. I'm so sorry I interrupted. Gentlemen, it's happening. The North hums like a stirred anthill. The fight masters of the five Northern clans gather and press their bladed gauntlets into the tower of the screaming bell. In the distance, a dove wails beneath the talons of a diving hawk. A moment of stillness. Then all the sky shatters with war sound. The battle summons howls from the bells and the wind cowers and drifts into uneasy sleep. The tournament is coming. From coast to coast, the ground becomes crisp with carrion beetles preparing for the feast. The southern schools awaken and prepare to march to the tournament grounds as they have since the before times. The masters of the southern styles gather on the road and march towards glory or death. The southern school's fight masters are the bee-nakes. Please describe each of their unique martial arts styles and tell me how they each win or lose their fights in the North. I need this answer before I can proceed with my plans. Thanks for your help, Jared. So we need to, each of the B-Nakes, their fight styles. So that's an interesting question, I think. Um, what 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 do you, I guess... Uh, I'm going to let you go first because sure. I'm curious to see kind of where you feel their uh, their arts are coming from. Right. Well, you know, I've been watching a lot of uh, UFC lately and all the early UFCs. And I think uh, it's kind of fun because it's before everybody just grappled with everybody else. Um, <laughs> yes. And so uh, it... it it becomes more of a, you know, it's sumo versus shoot fighting. It's kung fu versus uh, jujitsu. And it's it's more interesting. So I think that the Barenaked Ladies are sort of like each representing these like big, perhaps even silly styles. Um, okay. I think that first I'm going to handle Thai because I think Thai is perhaps the easiest. I think Thai is doing some sort of um, perhaps uh, old style uh, ninjutsu, but it's ninjutsu okay. in like the 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 sort of movie esque way where he knows all of these forbidden techniques, uh, and I think all of the techniques are reliant on some sort of um, food, where he's got like the you know he can he can eat and become a giant ball that rolls over his opponent, um, he can perhaps uh, uh, turn his arms into Twizzler-esque things that can shoot out and wrap his opponent up. Um, So he is uh, perhaps the food style of the South. Um, Now, unfortunately, his opponent from the North is Randy Cook. Uh, And Randy Cook, as we know... uh, Oh, no. Well, of course, the B-Nakes are the champions from the South, and the champions of the North are, of course, the four members of Smash Mouth. So Randy Cook being Smash Mouth's drummer... Um, you know, Randy gives Cook. him COVID. He gives him COVID. Uh, we'll just spoil this for you. 
the North wins. Each of the four <laughs> members of the Bannican Ladies from the South get COVID and die. Um, you know, you know, Randy Cook, he has toured with and recorded for five for fighting and Kelly Clarkson and Hillary Duff and <laughs> Colin Hay of men at work. Uh, as we all know, as we all know, he endorsed the brand of signature Randy Cook drumsticks. Um, and he's just, you know, his technique is, is, uh, blending in. He's a master of a thousand faces. So he has sort of, he can be your, your Ashley Tisdale, or he can be your, you know, David Archuleta. Um, and so I think Ty doesn't even know he's fighting before he's already dead. Um, uh, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, Jesse enjoys drummer, of course, from the Electra Dad album, sneaks up beside him and coughs on him a few times and it's all over for Ty. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Who's next for you? You know what? Uh, I feel bad taking, um, I feel bad taking Ed, mm. but, um, you know, I, I, I think Ed actually, um, I think Ed studied the, uh, with the grail of pain. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, the Grail of Pain, of course, is a controversial school kind of in the uh, southeast. Sure. sure. It's, uh, I'm going to be frank, it's a rough It's a rough art. Okay. It is not one that you want to learn. It is not one that you want to have employed against you. Okay. And uh, when he is fighting, I don't know, insert name of other Smash Mouth person. Uh, Steve Harwell, lead singer. Of course, they're both going against their, yeah. Uh, yes yes of course uh steve <laughs> steve carman uh when he when they are fighting uh you know I mean, the grail of pain does a lot of damage right right uh, but it does a lot of damage to both of them okay right so like he is um he is unlocking his chakras as he fights and putting more and more strain on his poor precious little ed body oh no okay and he keeps i mean it is a punishing like you know i mean at first it's you know them trading blows but by the end like every step ed takes is like a small crater oh jeez uh you know the the they can feel the earthquakes from his steps right. like uh miles away and eventually he just collapses under the weight of the weight of the pain that he's inflicted on himself and when that happens, you just see uh, Steve Carman just lick his palm and just put it on Ed's face. <laughs> oh, no, so sad. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, you know, I think I have to handle Kev next. Uh, Kev has studied with the Asimar. Um, he studied the angelic uh, sort of... A- the, the classic biblical style where it's uh, the angels with a thousand eyes and a hundred arms who are so shrouded in light that uh, it begins to burn to look at them. Um, and so, of course, yes, his power is to, to use this, this sort of biblical intensity to defeat his opponent before the battle even begins. Um, he just directs the full force of God unto them. He maybe whispers one word because that's all he can manage. Uh, and he's sort of like a black bolt figure where, uh, uh, the weight of his whispered words can, can crush souls. Um, I mean, I don't see how he could lose. Well, it seems difficult, except when you're fighting, of course, Michael Kluster, uh, the keyboardist for Smash Mouth, who is the most reclusive member of Smash Mouth, the one, the only one without even a Wikipedia entry. So it's hard <laughs> to even say what Michael Kluster is about or what he does. And I think that Kev, of course, not wanting to harm innocence, as he is, of course, an angel, um, cannot fight because he cannot fight what he cannot find. 
So Michael Kluster, you know, I think you can just use that ability from afar. So what Michael Kluster does is um, he freezes a little bit of his spit and into his uh, bullet casing, and he loads it into his sniper rifle from miles away, and he knows how to line up a shot and be unseen. Of course. And uh, he shoots that little iced COVID bullet right through Kevin's brain. And unfortunately, it doesn't kill him, but it does give him COVID immediately and he dies later. Yeah, but I mean, that's... It's not counted as a COVID death because it was the brain wound that they said killed him. Yeah, you know, I think that that's, that's, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, um, yeah, it certainly is. So I think that 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 really only leaves uh, Jim left. Jimmy is that C. right? That's correct. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, you know what, Jim? Uh, I think Jim kind of sees how this fight is going, and um, you know, Jim. Look, Jim has a lot of um, a lot of abilities. Sure. Uh, Jim's fighting style, though, is uh, actually he just collected artifacts. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, he got the spite fruit from uh, the spite fruit from Hell Mountain. Okay. Um, he found. You know, I mean, he was the one who uh, dug uh, dug underground, lived six feet underground for a year and a day to Whoa. earn the hand of petrification. Right. Wow. Well, don't, don't and don't tell me he ate the spite fruit with his hand of petrification. He, he you know what? He didn't, and yeah. Uh, the eclipse came. He stared okay. straight into it to earn the mm-hmm. Aurora Rod. Sure, sure. And you know what? He he comes to battle. He's armed with all of these, but he sees his he sees his buds fall. Right? He sees uh, right. them all go one by one, sure. and he knows none of these will actually win the day. As he's confronted with another Smash Mouth member whose name I don't know. Yeah, uh, of course, the basis for Smash Mouth, who does have a Wikipedia entry, Paul Gerard, Paul Gerard Delisle. <laughs> Paul Gerard Delisle. Uh, as, you know, he sees Paul Gerard Delisle, like, stumbling towards him coughing, and he knows none of this is going to stop him, right? Like, he's watched an angel die. Uh, he's felt the earth shake and then stop with the passing of his, uh, of his uh, old friend. And uh, I I think he he does the one thing he swore never to do before, right? And that is he reads the exile texts and brings back the emperor zombie, uh, which, of course, is Stephen Page. Oh, God. The only yeah. thing that could stop Smash Mouth is is Stephen Page. And I, I think I think oh, after I think I think Jim can make that call. Yeah, and I think it takes everything out of Jim to read those exiled texts. Oh, absolutely. He, he he dies summoning him. Yes, but does Stephen Page then conquer Smash Mouth? I don't know. That's the fifth one. This is your call, bud. Oh, fuck. Oh, what's... I need your military analysis. Oh, man. Well, Stephen Page, of course, uh, being the zombie that he is, can only hop. Uh, so his style is sort of Dragoon style, where he'll just pick up a polearm, jump into the, into the, the lower atmosphere, and then come down on you. Uh, and, you know, I think there's a moment of respect between Paul Delisle and Stephen Page. Of course, Paul Delisle being uh, a native Ontarian, as we all know, uh, the only Canadian in Smash Mouth. Um, but I think, yeah, after eliminating, I think they all, the only thing they have is COVID. And you can't use sickness on someone who is already dead. I think Stephen Page just destroys them. Yeah, wipes them out with his, with his polearm. I don't, yeah, do you see yeah, any other I'm- way around this? 
I don't. I, I, I That was exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. And I think that's what Jim was thinking, too. That's why he summoned the Emperor Zombie. That's was, correct. Was specifically because only the dead can fight the sick. That's correct. Uh, Jared, hopefully that helped you understand a little more about... Hopefully that helped you write your historical fiction story. I, I hope to read it soon in the pages of Rocket Dinosaur Magazine. <laughs> Thanks for coming out, bud. And that's it. Ebbo. We done did it. Another episode of It's All Been Done, a Bare Naked Ladies podcast, perhaps the most successful one yet. We just keep doing it and neither of us knows why. Yeah, it it pains us more every time. It's upsetting. It's futile. Um, but, you know, it's it's written in the stars. I think in the end, we know we must. So we do. Who are we to fight fate? Who are we to fight fate? Ebba, what do you got to plug this week, bud? You know what? I know I don't often plug my writing, uh-huh. but uh, people need to know. I've written a number of great, great Warhammer novellas. Sure, absolutely. And, uh, you know, if you just go to Amazon.com or some other ebook purveyor, mm-hmm. you can find some excellent books, uh, excellent novellas like my recently released Shriekstone. That's a good one. And, you know what? They're great, and I, I, I wish I were more uh, open about my pride of, at having written something so good. It's, it's incredible. I've read all of your, uh, all of the things that you've written, and I've, I've loved every single one of them. What was your favorite? Um, boy, oh boy, my favorite was the story about the woman cleaning out her basement, and then there was a monster in it. Um, I don't remember the names of any of your stories, Ev. Is that a problem? <laughs> No, no, no. I understand. Uh, I will say your favorite should be The Duty of Birds. Obviously, one of my best. Yes, absolutely. Uh, As I call it, The Booty of Turds. Um, Well, I don't like that. Well, (laughs) I'm sorry, but it's just what it is. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and plug... Shit, what should I plug? Uh, You know what? This week, I'll plug uh, a little website that I enjoy. It's called Geek Rex. Uh, if you've never been to Geek Rex, G-E-E-K-R-E-X, it's a true tour de force of a website. Um, we They talk about all things geek, all things Greek, all things... Now, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if uh, our listeners know this, but uh, Geek Rex is actually defunct uh, and has been changed to Screen Rex, uh, where they're just focusing on movies, television, and video games. Boy, wouldn't it be great if at geekrex.com they said, please go to... Sc- oh, they do. Screen <laughs> <laughs> I had to scroll down a little bit to get there, but... Yeah, everybody knows. Yeah, it's it's a great, great website. Screenrex.com. Check it out. A lot of good stuff there. There's a great article that I was just reading the other day about the 800 um, that I would recommend that you all check out about uh, war movies and horror movies and all sorts of fun stuff that I definitely read. Now, can I make one more plug? I, I recognize that this is a this little is bit uh, wild for you. I know. Please, I know. yes, I'm, I'm, yes. Look, uh, you know, I, I recognize we're all uh, afraid of COVID, um, and because of that, I don't think a lot of people know that there is a huge, huge shortage in volunteers for poll workers uh, for the upcoming election. Yeah. So if you are reasonably healthy and you are in a comfortable enough situation where you can volunteer uh, and kind of 
put yourself at risk there. They really need poll workers to make sure this election goes off without a hitch. And you know what? I, our listeners are beautiful. Our listeners are smart. Sure. Our listeners are healthy and uh, strong of mind and body. So if you're able to, and no judgment if you aren't, uh, I urge you to uh, think about ways that you can help your community uh, with the upcoming election. And if you can't, Think about other ways you can help, such as by volunteering with Food Not Bombs. A Columbus organization. Is that specifically Columbus, or is it all over the country? It's worldwide. Wow, all over the world. Hot damn. Okay, I know we have a chapter here in the CBSF. Um, Wow. Truly, this is the first time I've ever heard you so civically minded as well. You've grown a lot over the last week, and I appreciate that. Um, well, you know, my, my son asked me, why are we alive? And I... <laughs> I just needed to come up with an answer, and that was that was what I came up Hot with. Damn. <laughs> well, thanks, bud. This has been an absolute joy. I'm Saker. I'm Evan, and we'll see you again in one, one week. week. another freaking piece of media about the marmoset chronicles before you stop us we know that this series of movies has been talked about and deliberated on in analysis on characters plot cinematography everything under the sun and we know what you're thinking why do i want to listen to these two assholes talk about it well we're going to try to come at it from a slightly different angle we're talking about these movies and how they relate to us and the world in which we live in a post marmoset chronicles world so to speak and you can listen to us make our slow laborious way through this eight movie epic on your podcast catcher of choice every week until we make it through them all which will hopefully not take the 16 years it took the eight movies to come out <laughs> or maybe if it does send help we might have fallen down a time hole so join us on The Marmoset Chronicles, a personal retrospective.